This morning's reading is from Titus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15, and is on page 1199 of your Pew Bibles. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good, these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. As soon as I send Artemis or Titius to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, because I've decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way, and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good, in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Well, thank you, Rob, for inviting me to come and join you this morning. It really is a, a real joy, and it's a privilege. And so for those who can't be with us today because you're poorly at home, um, welcome to you too. May I add my welcome to, to Rob's and those who join us retrospectively. As you know, the Titus series you've been looking at, isn't, uh, the intention isn't to do a big expository preach, but actually to talk around church planting and our role as resourcing churches, and that's particularly my remit this morning. And as resourcing churches, of which you know, I hope, that you are one of the six designated ones within the diocese, we are commissioned and funded to be churches that plant churches and to reach the 93% in our society who don't yet follow Jesus. Now, my confession is I have a problem with the first part of that statement because nowhere in the New Testament are we told specifically to plant churches that plant churches. In fact, Jesus said, he alone, he said, I will build my church. And note that's one church, not plural. But of course, in the New Testament, we do also read of 
lots of churches in designated places, in, in Rome, in Corinth, in Ephesus, Philippi, and just to name a few. So, so what's going on then with this business about being churches that plant churches? I'm pleased that we are one church in one place. But the reason we're having to do this is because the church is failing in what Jesus actually told us to do. So what did he tell us to do? What was the command? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He told us right now and is telling us right now that we need to go and reach the 93% of our society who don't yet follow Jesus. And we make disciples one by one. One by one. It's not as complicated as we think. And so in doing this, we get to co-labor with Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, who is the creator. So actually, he knows exactly what he's doing. We get to co-labor with him in making disciples one by one, and therefore in building his church, the people of God, and building his church, the gathered people of God who will meet in lots of designated places. And I really think we have to take seriously and remind ourselves as to why, therefore, the vision is that we have resourcing churches that plant churches that plant churches and actually make that so that all churches across the diocese become churches that plant churches. It's because we've lost the vision. Our vision has become too small and we've become too inward focused. We've gotten comfortable. And we've lost sight of the urgency and the need of people who don't yet know Jesus. We've just sang, all my life I've known your goodness. That's really nice for us, isn't it? Pat on the back. What about those who don't know Jesus? They don't know his goodness. And we need to see the urgency of that. And it is really, really urgent. It's really urgent. And if this pandemic hasn't woken us up to that, then quite frankly, we need to smack ourselves around the face a bit. It's time to wake up, church. It's time to wake up. This is an exciting adventure that the Lord is calling us to be part of. So today's reading holds one of the snapshots throughout the New Testament that actually summarizes the goodness of Jesus. And I just want to briefly refer to some of those verses. So verse 3 zooms in to the brokenness of humanity. And my word, we see the brokenness of humanity played out on our TV screens, and we experience it in society, don't we? We do understand the brokenness of humanity. And I, I want us to really note that when I'm saying that, I'm not saying that humanity is all rotten. We're made in the image of God. So there is goodness. There is goodness, and we see that in people, and we celebrate it, don't we? But there is brokenness, and we're not meant to be broken. We weren't made broken. So we need restoration. We need new life. And therefore, this speaks into our situation. And verse 4 tells us that the kindness, it is the kindness and love of God that meant our Savior appeared. It's not the anger of God we encounter. The wrath of God has been taken on the cross by Jesus. But it's the love of God that we are meant to encounter. And those people I've just referred to, the 93%, need to know 
the love of God. We need to show the love of God. It wasn't God's frust- God wasn't just frustrated with the human race. And therefore he said, I'm frustrated with you, so I'm sending Jesus to sort you out. No. It's his passionate love, his goodness that meant Jesus came. That is really, really good news that we need to grasp afresh for ourselves. And that's why it's so wonderful singing worship songs. All my life I've known your goodness. Because that becomes our motivation. And so Paul goes on in verses 5 and 6 to explain that our salvation isn't because of anything we have done, but because of God's mercy. And our brokenness can be dealt with when we are reborn and renewed by the washing of the Holy Spirit. A rebirth that comes through repentance, which you know, I'm sure, actually means to rethink, to turn around and to follow, that we might then receive the Holy Spirit. And when we choose to follow Jesus, we receive salvation and we become heirs of God with the hope of eternal life. Eternal life that begins right now, not just when we die. Ephesians 2 puts it this way. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to to do. Of course, if we don't rethink and follow Jesus, then we remain in that broken state. And that's why we need to remember the state of the 93%. And when we make disciples... We make more disciples, and therefore we make more gatherings. And so, as I think about that, actually that makes me think, oh, well, if it's more gatherings and a gathering is a church, then it's okay that we're a church that plants churches, and that's fantastic. The key thing is that actually we need to remember we make disciples one by one. And that makes it so much more possible. Because I can tell you, as a leader of a resourcing church, it's really overwhelming to think I've got to have a church that plants churches. If I get to the business that I've really been called to do and called to lead our church in, in, in making disciples, oh, it's, suddenly it's possible. So I want to remind us of that this morning. And this is key. This is the good work that we are referred to here, that we are to all do, from the smallest child to the eldest person. It's good work for all of us. Uh, f- now, from Luke's, St. Luke's, I know, I was, uh, we sent some guys to join you in partnering in revitalizing Houghton. And I know that you have sent or are sending a curate and some of your members to go. You're sending them to go and make disciples to have a gathering at a church in Thermiston, in a new physical area. And some of you may yet be called to go with them. This gathering is multiplying 
It's making a new gathering and you're expanding further out. Meanwhile, those of you who remain at St. Luke's here in Thurnby, you are called to stay and go and make disciples in this part of the county. So actually the mission is the same for, for both, Thermiston and Thurnby. Maybe you're only ever going to be sent to places that begin with TH, I don't know. But the mission is the same, that there's a sense of whether you're sent to start in a new place or remain, you are all still called to go. That's exciting, isn't it? You're on an adventure. Well, I hope you think you're on an adventure. I'm sure you are. As I've said, whatever it is, we are called to make disciples. We need a rebirthing of the urgency of the need of this for people's salvation. And I really believe that one of the words of the Lord to the church right now is, wake up, wake up, my people, wake up. And we need to help some people wake up who are still in a bit of a slumber. We need to understand where people are at in terms of the pandemic and coming to church, back to church or not. And this Titus tells us the importance of living the good life, the God-filled life, is that as a follower of Jesus, we are to love and to live well. So that's my first challenge. Will you love and live well in your example to those who don't yet know Jesus and to one another? We are to inspire and invite others into relationship with Jesus. And amongst us, we are to chat and challenge each other as followers of Jesus, which is why I've been invited here in our calling. And quite often, that requires training and teaching and stretching ourselves. Um, I I said earlier that um, uh, I've become a grandmother in the last five and a half months, and our little Elijah is just at that stage where he's, he's quite keen to learn to sit up. And so uh, I, I started a few weeks ago. I thought, I'll try and see how he is. So I, I held his hands, and I just was holding him, and holding his arms around, and going, come on then, pull up. And, and he was like, what's she doing to me? And I'm like, pull up, pull up. And we did it two or three times, and then we did it several times since. And I'm like, you can do it. And now, I'm not saying I've done this. His parents have done this, of course. But now, two weeks later, what I'm seeing is he's like really straining. And I just did this with him again. Um, on Friday, and I say, how are you doing, like Elijah then? And I'm like, wow, you are pulling yourself up far more than I'm pulling you up. We're training him, and it's like, yeah, I want to do this. And it's like that when we're called to make disciples, isn't it? We think, I can't do this, I don't know how. Good, because Jesus does. And he's like I was with Elijah. He's saying, come on, I'll train you. But we we have to join in with this. Now, the thing with my grandson Elijah is he was born with an upper arm deficiency. And so his left arm ends about here. He just has a thumb and two fingers on this hand. So actually, when I say hold his hands, I'm not holding two fully uh, full hands. It, it's a hand and, and then a hand that's not, that just has three fingers and is small. And, and, but he's still trying and he's learning to, to do stuff with a hand that's not a full arm, a hand. Well, I don't know about you, but I know I'm really deficient. And I don't want to insult you all this morning, but you're all really deficient. We're not the finished article in making disciples. All we're asked to do is just lay our life and give it all as we've just sang. It's all required. That's all that's required because it's the goodness of God that does the rest. He goes before us. So if you're feeling, I can't do this, Lord. And I heard Rob crying that earlier. No, only joking. But you feel like that, don't you? I can't do this. How do I do this? I want to tell people about Jesus. It's so hard. 
And it can be, but you know, I think some of that is our problem. So I just want to end by sharing um, some stories from Holy Trinity. And you need to hear this. Holy Trinity is not special. We've just got a larger number of people, so we, that's the only reason we have more, sto- more stories. And I just want to tell you that, that doing all of this in the last 10 years, as we've really trained people in sharing their faith, it has felt clunky. It has felt difficult. We've sent people out onto the streets, and we still do it to share Jesus in the center. And I hate every minute of it. I don't like it. Going up to a stranger, hi, hello, how are you? Could I just, oh, it's not my cup of tea at all. But I do it because in straining and putting myself out there, I then get stronger in my normal relationships. And suddenly, talking about Jesus, praying for people, living the life becomes easier. That's why we do it. So just a few stories to conclude. A lady in our church on Thursday went home to be with the Lord. Um, she was diagnosed with cancer in August. No treatment offered. Really sad. And it will make me sad to think about it. But she was married to a man who isn't yet a Christian. And her children kind of went to church and they wandered away. That woman never stopped talking about Jesus. But not in a nagging way. Just in, he's her saviour. He's important to her. She wants her family to know him. And it's been an amazing privilege and journey in these last four months to be walking alongside with her husband, who now has a group of us on WhatsApp. He's been giving us prayer requests. He's been saying this is what she needs. I was able to say to him last week, look, you know, Mark, actually, you can just say to her, when it gets hard, just say to her, we'll ask Jesus to come. I said, you can do that. He goes, yeah, I never thought of that. I'll do that. Just the naturalness. And there's something about those who don't have uh, Christians who are spouses. I think somehow you're a little bit braver than, than those of us who do. But she just shone and lived the life as a Christian. She never shied away. And I think she's left an inheritance and her family. Now is a really right time for us to just keep them journeying with Jesus. And they have known the goodness of God in the most desperate time. It's a real testimony. We have um, some refugees who come to Holy Trinity and um, a couple from Iran, from a Muslim background, got to know our Compassions worker just because actually she lives in their street. That's the key thing. Note they knew her outside the church. They didn't come to the church in her street. And so they've just been coming along, joining in with one of our missional communities outside. We've been supporting them and loving them. And they've come to church. And <clears throat> Mustafa came forward the other week for, for prayer. He could barely walk. He was literally like this. He couldn't carry his child He was really struggling, and he came forward for prayer, and God healed him. So much so that at the end, he's like, oh, I'm thinking, don't do that. Maybe, you know, but there he is holding his child up in the air, you know, healed. He encountered the presence of God. Their English is really limited. What are we going to do? Actually, in Alpha Course, the best thing for a Muslim? I don't know. But we're blessed in our city to have uh, a priest who is also a Muslim convert and speaks um, Farsi. So he has been working with them as a couple. Two weeks ago, they said, I want to follow Jesus. That's a round of applause, isn't it, to the Lord? That's Jesus at work. Yeah, it's exciting. So we're going to have a baptism with, with the baptism of Farsi translation. But that was only because Lois noticed them in her street and loved them. She loved them first. Then she dared to just talk about Jesus with them and get them involved. I'm very excited with what God is going to do through them. 
One of our guys works at the university, and he invited uh, one of his colleagues to come to our carol service. She came to our carol service as a result. She signed up for Alpha. She's doing Alpha. As I was preaching a couple of weeks ago, she'd only done one week at Alpha. I was preaching, and I gave an invitation for people to follow Jesus. And I knew someone was going to do that that morning. I really felt that strongly in my spirit. Nobody came forward. So I looked a bit of a wally. I didn't, because after the service, she came up to me and said, Elaine, I want to do what you said. Now, here's the scenario. We have a, a girl who happens to have Down syndrome who comes to our church. And, uh, you know, I was going to speak to Emma, so I speak to Emma. And if Emma gets hold of you, that's it. You're not going to get away for a while. So she's holding on to me. This girl, Hannah, comes up to me, says she wants to follow Jesus. So I said to Emma, I said, Emma, she was holding me this way. Um, I said, Emma, isn't that fantastic? Hannah wants to follow Jesus. And Emma, who has quite limited understanding, yeah, like me, daughter of God. I said, yeah. I said, well, I'm going to go and pray with her now. She said, yes. And I thought, oh, you're coming with me then. <laughs> right, okay. I said to Hannah, is that all right? She said, yeah. So we go and we sit down. I sit down. Hannah sits down. I said, Emma, do you want to sit down? She's 18. She sits on my knee. <laughs> okay. So now I'm leading Hannah in a prayer of repentance with Emma sat on my knee. But Emma is fully taking part in leading Hannah to Jesus said to Hannah, you know, what she needed to do. I said, do you want to pray yourself? Or I could do a repeated prayer. No, say a prayer I can say after you. So we do that, and Emma is taking part. Isn't that fantastic? A girl with Downs, who is really quite restricted, was part of leading somebody else to Jesus. All because somebody invited Hannah to a carol service. It's just loving and living, and then speaking out of faith. Dean is a guy who has wandered in and out of church for years, and he is one of those who goes and comes back. And don't despise those who go and come back. There'll be reasons why they do. And there's a faithful couple. They have such a pastoral heart. They have persevered with Dean for at least 10 years. And he, got, he found the pandemic really difficult. They've loved him through that. And just the other week, he came back to following Jesus. One more. There's, there's Annette, uh, who is just faithful in whatever she does. She really inspires me. She encourages me in sharing faith. In fact, I think she's better than me. She has a friend who is a Hindu. And Annette isn't afraid. She prays constantly for people. She prays for... She doesn't see anything as an obstacle. The fact that someone is a Muslim or a Hindu is not an obstacle. The fact that somebody is, it absolutely hates God is not an obstacle. She prays for them. This Hindu friend said to her that she had a dream where she saw Jesus knocking on doors. Annette said, let me tell you about that. And of course, she took this friend to Revelation chapter 3, and she said, that's directly out of the Bible. As a result, that lady has come to faith. Now, she's still holding on to some of her Hindu background. So she's a Christian, but she's holding on to Hindu stuff. That's all right. It's just a mess. Jesus will sort that out. When you came to faith, if you have come to faith and you're in the room, were you the, the finished article? No, because I can see you're not. And neither am I. Jesus deals with the mess. If we worry about the mess, you never have the party. You can't have a party without mess. So let's not worry about it. But I, I hope they're encouraging you. This, this Hindu lady has had another dream. I'm really excited with what God is doing. And across the city, there are Hindus and Muslims 
who are having lots of dreams about Jesus. I wonder why. Oh, it's because Jesus said, I'll build my church. And he is visiting people. He goes ahead. And that's such a relief to me because when I'm praying for people, he is going ahead. In his timing, he'll bring them to faith. So I hope those stories encourage you. Well, I'm just going to ask now, you've been sat for a while, perhaps you'd just like to um, stand up for a moment. And first of all, I just want to say, if, and maybe close your eyes, it's helpful to do that. If you have never decided to follow Jesus for yourself, and in, and in what I've shared with you, you're like, actually, do you know what? I want to follow Jesus. I want to know his goodness. Then I'm going to lead you in a prayer where you can make that your first step today. If you are already a follower of Jesus, then I'd love you for this moment to stand in the place of someone you know who doesn't follow Jesus and pray that they would pray this prayer. Use this as a prayer time for someone who doesn't know Jesus. So if you have never followed Jesus, then this is a prayer that you can repeat. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your kindness in coming to earth that I might have a relationship with you that I might know forgiveness, that I might be born again. Please forgive me for not following you before and going my own way. And fill me with your Holy Spirit as I choose to follow you from this moment on. Amen. And let's keep our eyes shut. If you've prayed that prayer, then I'd love you to please talk to Rob or one of the team afterwards who will want to help you in that journey. But for some of us, I know that as I have been speaking, there'll be that sense of you're hearing that wake up. Maybe you've stopped following Jesus and today you've just come back. Maybe you just feel you're sluggish in, in sharing your faith or you've lost a bit of vision. The goodness of God says that he loves you. He is kind and we simply need to come back. So I invite you to do that. And, and uh, perhaps you might find it helpful if a different position is helpful for you. Sometimes it's helpful to just put out your hands as we say a prayer of fresh surrender. Lord, would you wake us up by your Holy Spirit? Forgive us where we've let fear get in the way of actually living the good life that you've called us to. Lord, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, with fresh zeal to see people as you see them, as those whom you love. And would you cause us to be people who in kindness seek to share you and to make disciples. Lord, where we put a lid on what is possible, we ask that you would forgive us and lift that lid off now and impart fresh faith. Lord, I bless St. Luke's as a place that will be a light in this community. And I bless the gathering in Thermiston, that there will be a light in that community. I bless the different partnerships. I pray, Lord, that for each place, you will give them their fair share of people who move into the county. But also, Lord, would we see many come to faith because that's what we're about. And if that's you, I'd just like you to bring to mind the song that we sang where we said, I surrender.
And perhaps for you, it's just a moment of saying, I surrender to you, Lord, afresh. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Give me renewed zeal. Show me what to do. And I believe, too, there are some who are already really on fire. And that's good. You're going to be the fire starters. So if that's you, you won't be afraid. Keep your eyes shut, everyone. But if that's you, if you feel like, yeah, I'm just, I am on fire. I'm, I'm desperate to get out there and tell people about Jesus. I'm excited for what God is calling. Then just raise your hand, and I'm just going to bless you. If you're on fire, raise your hand. Lord, for those who are raising their hands, would you come now and turn the fire up, Lord? And Lord, would you bless these guys who are on fire, that they would set others on fire with fresh zeal as they share stories of what you're doing, as they pray into things. Lord, would you cause them to be fire starters, both within the church and outside the church, that many would come to salvation. I thank you, Lord, that already this morning we've seen a child who's come to say, I want to find out more. Lord, would you that be just a sign of small beginnings that you are blessing. Lord, we ask all these things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.